Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning or afternoon or evening or whenever it is that you're watching this. Uh, Glad to have you with us. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. So uh, in last week's teaching, if you listened into that, we were talking about this sort of unique, really bizarre moment in history that we're in right now with the coronavirus. So for most of us, we've actually never seen anything like it, uh, where businesses are shutting down and people are sheltering in place and people are clearing out grocery store shelves. Like for most of us, at least maybe people of my generation, the only time we've seen anything remotely like this is in like really bad bad 1990s apocalyptic movies, which I just don't know is a great reference point for anything, much less real life, but that that's kind of the only framework we have for something like this. And, and so last week, we just spent some time sort of processing through all of that. And we talked specifically about how for followers of Jesus right now, this is an opportunity for us to ask, not just when is all of this going to be over, but actually what is God wanting to accomplish through all of this? We said the thing about the God of the Bible is that he has this uncanny ability to work through even the most difficult of scenarios for his glory and for the good of his people. And so as God's people in a moment in history like the one that we're in, we want to be asking that question over and over again. What does God desire to accomplish in the midst of everything that is going on? So that's what we're trying to do for these few weeks through these teachings. So last week specifically, we talked about what we called the gift of forced helplessness. How realizing that we're not in control of our world, as terrifying as that might be, is actually a good thing for us to realize. Because it's an opportunity to come to terms with how things actually are in the world. And we talked about how one thing God might be trying to show us in all of this is that we are not in control and really never have been. And how as followers of Jesus, that's okay. We don't have to be in control because we get to experience something far better than that. And that's knowing that the God of the universe is forever and always for our good, no matter how out of control things might seem. That was last week's teaching. This week, I want us to shift gears a little bit and talk about something else that God might be trying to teach us through this whole ordeal. But let's kick things off by reading this famous, often quoted teaching from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. So pick it up with me in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, we're going to circle back around to the details of this passage sort of as we go along today. But at its core, these verses are just about rest. Or more specifically, they're about a way of life that leads to rest. 
That's what Jesus is getting at in these verses. And just if we're completely honest, rest is something that we could use some help with in America, right? I don't know that we as a society are very good at resting, or at least not most of us. Quite the opposite in many ways. We, we tend to prize overworking and busyness. We tend to wear those things like they're badges of honor a lot of the time. In some ways, I think our society and our economy actually seem to demand that we overwork and stay constantly busy. The great American dollar is powered by us staying busy all of the time. And I think a lot of us maybe feel like we have to overwork just to keep up with the world around us. But into all of that has come the interruption of the 2020 coronavirus pandemic, where things in our society and our economy are, are all screeching to a halt, at least to some degree. Just this last Tuesday, Knox County's Safer at Home order went into effect, mandating that all non-essential businesses be closed. So the incessant demands from our economy and workaholic culture, those have, at least temporarily for a lot of us, been put on pause. So this week, I thought it might be good for us to talk a little bit about the gift of forced interruption. You know, there's really no denying that the coronavirus has interrupted most everything about our normal way of life in society. Many of us find ourselves all of a sudden out of school or out of work or working from home or continuing to work from home, but now we have small children who are not in daycare or in school running circles around us, growing more stir-crazy by the minute. Uh, Even our leisure has been affected by all of this. Movie theaters are closed. Our favorite breweries and restaurants are either closed or have moved to takeout only. We, we now have to visit the grocery store a couple times a week just to see if things like toilet paper are in stock. And, and even for those people in our society for whom life has gotten more busy right now instead of less busy, so medical professionals and managers of grocery stores and, and stuff like that, even for those people, It's hard to deny that this has interrupted how we go about life on a regular basis. So really, just about any way you slice it, our lives have all been interrupted in some form or fashion. So the question is, what do we do with that interruption? Or to frame it in the way that we did in last week's teaching, what might God be trying to accomplish through that interruption? Well, I think there are at least two things that we could speak to here, at least two things that God might be trying to teach us or show us through this whole thing. And so we'll spend a little bit of time on each of these. But first, I think he might be trying to teach us the necessity of slowing down. The necessity of slowing down. So in the scriptures, and specifically in books like Leviticus and Second Chronicles, we read about what we might call a forced Sabbath. So for background, from the very beginning of Israel's history as a nation, God put into place all these rhythms of rest in their life together. So they were to rest once a week, every single week. God felt very strongly about that. They were also to take a year off every seven years, a Sabbath or a sabbatical year where all of Israel would stop their work and just live off of what they had for a year. Now, just for a second, can you even imagine what would happen if we attempted that as a society today? Like 
for one, I don't know that a lot of people would have the means or, or maybe just the self-discipline to save up for six years so that they could live off what they had in the seventh year. I don't know that a lot of people could do that. But even if we could do that, we would go insane. Like we would not know what to do with ourselves in a year of no work. But for the nation of Israel, God set up all of these rhythms and sort of built them into how his people did life because of how important rest was because of the necessity of them slowing down periodically. But also from time to time in the scriptures, God would give his people warnings about rest. He would say that if they didn't participate in these rhythms of rest on a regular basis, he would actually take them into exile and essentially force them to rest, force them to slow down. An author named Wayne Muller, he wrote a book about the Sabbath. He, he says at one point in that book that sometimes for us as human beings, if we refuse to rest or slow down, eventually sometimes injury and illness become our Sabbath, a, a forced Sabbath, if you will. Now, let me pause for just a second and make sure you don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not trying to make the point that God sent the coronavirus to planet Earth just to teach us all to chill out a little bit, okay? That is not my point at all. But at the same time, I'm making a general observation that there are generally two different ways that you can start resting as a human being. You can choose to rest or you can be forced to rest, right? And a lot of us tend to learn that the hard way. A lot of pastors I know have learned this the hard way. They spend years upon years of their life working 80-hour weeks and not taking any days off ever. And then eventually their bodies just kind of say, hey, enough is enough. And they give out. And they have to retire early or take a forced sabbatical or whatever it is. And, and, and maybe a lot of us are not quite at that point. Like maybe we're not about to literally collapse from exhaustion but we still might be living at a pace of life that is unhealthy and unsustainable. We might be going from one thing to the next as fast as we possibly can and rarely slowing down to ask the question, can I do this for multiple years? Can I keep this pace of life up for decades of my life? I think it would do some of us some good to stop and ask that question. And so I think one thing that we can learn in a season of forced interruption like the one that we're in right now is that slowing down is actually vital to our physical and emotional health. It, it's really non-optional, if you think about it. And, and listen, we're going to get into this in a second, but rest, at least according to the scriptures, is not as simple as saying, okay, I'm just going to sit on the couch for a little bit. It, it actually takes more intentionality than that for most of us. It takes strategically working it into our daily and weekly Rhythms. It takes getting our smartphones out of our hands for long enough to do it. It takes peeling our eyes away from Netflix for long enough for us to do it. So I would love for us just for the next few moments to, to pause and reflect on this a little bit. So I, I've got two questions for you. And, and once I give them to you, I'm actually going to ask you to literally hit pause on this teaching once I unpack them and sort of reflect on them for a minute. So if you don't already, uh, grab something like a journal or a notebook or a piece of paper, or maybe just like the notes app on your phone, something where you can jot some stuff down in response to these questions. And I'm, I'm going to give you a couple couple questions and, and on each of them we'll sort of just pause and, and process through them together. 
First, is rest a regular rhythm in your daily schedule? Is rest a regular rhythm in your daily schedule? Now, let me just offer some clarification here before you start processing through this question. When I say daily rest, I don't just mean coming home from work and watching an hour or two of Netflix or TV each night. That's usually not rest. That's usually more like escapism. What I mean is, do you have a time during the day where you do something productive other than what you spend the rest of the day doing? Do you have something that you give your complete focus to without getting constantly distracted by other more urgent things? So maybe for you, it's going for a walk. Maybe you like to get out, go for a walk or a run around your neighborhood or a park nearby. Uh, Maybe for you it's reading, like not reading Instagram posts, but like actual literature. Uh, Maybe for you, you just like to sit on the couch with a good book, maybe a good fiction book, and and just read for a little bit. That's how you unwind. Uh, I know for a lot of people it's cooking. Cooking is actually a very enjoyable, restful experience for them. They, They feel rested as a result of doing it. Maybe it's gardening, woodworking, creating art of some sort, playing board games with people. I I don't know what it is. It could look all kinds of different ways. But in one way or another, do you have a daily rhythm of rest? A time where you slow down and you devote your mental and emotional energy to something that replenishes you as a result. If not, maybe use this time to start brainstorming what that could look like. To have, even if it's 15 minutes on a daily basis, where you just slow down and you take a moment to rest and unwind. So what is your daily rhythm of rest or what do you want it to look like? We'll put that slide up on the video and you can just pause the video and process through that for just a second. You can do that now. Okay. Next question, is rest a regular rhythm in your weekly schedule? Is rest a regular rhythm in your weekly schedule? So now we're asking the same exact question, but on a weekly basis. Do you have at least one day where you rest once a week? Uh, Most people I know use Sunday for this day of rest. Um, Sunday tends to be, for most people, a little bit slower, a little more relaxed, a little bit more low-key. For me personally, Sunday is obviously a lot of times a work day. And so for my family, it tends to be Fridays. On Fridays, I I try to leave my phone as far away from me as I can. And we just spend the whole day sort of doing relaxing, fun things as a family. Now, I will mention For us, uh, we have two small children, so rest is always a relative term, Um, but we try to avoid sort of the hustle and bustle of everyday life on that particular day. So for you, do you have a day like that? A day when you rest from the types of things that you do the rest of the week? If not, maybe spend this time brainstorming what that could like could look like going forward? What does or or what should weekly rest look like in your life? Okay, so we'll put that one up. Go ahead, press pause and think through that question. Okay, so hopefully that helps some to sort of think through how to implement this rhythm of rest into your life, or, or at least to implement it more than you do right now. Uh, I want you to remember back to our Matthew 11 passage for just a second. The, The part of that passage that gets quoted the most by people is verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
But what a lot of people miss, I think, is that right after that verse, Jesus clarifies what he means by coming to him. Verse 29 says, come to me and learn from me. And through that, you will find rest for your souls. In other words, coming to Jesus for rest is not just showing up and having him like magically provide us with rest. It's actually coming to him and learning from how he did life. And it's that process that creates rest for us. Do you see the difference there? What Jesus wants us to do here is to take cues from his rhythm of life, that we would implement these patterns of work and rest in a way that is sustainable, that we would make Jesus's rhythm of life our rhythm of life. And here's the good news for most of us. This rhythm of rest is more possible to implement right now than it ever will be again. Now, right now is absolutely the time for most of us to put into place a regular pattern of rest in our lives. And then, hopefully, if you implement it during this time of forced rest, so to speak, you'll see the value in it and be able to continue practicing it even when society starts to return to turn to normal. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, As I said earlier, there are probably some of us who are listening to this for whom rest is pretty impossible right now. Like if you work for a hospital, if you're a nurse, rest might not be in the cards for you right this very moment. Same with other professions like that. But maybe for you, you could just make a mental note of all of this at this point to when all of this settles down a little bit, maybe ask these same questions, process through them and put rhythms like that into practice. You, you will probably be even more aware of the need for it then. So feel free to do that. But that's the first thing that I think God might be wanting to teach us in this current sort of cultural climate and situation. The second thing I think he wants to teach us about is actually the necessity of spiritual habits. So secondly, I think God might want to use some of this time to show us the importance of spiritual habits and practices. So for those of you that have been around our church for very long, these are the things that we tend to focus on at the beginning of each calendar year during our formation series. These are what Christians have historically called spiritual disciplines. Things like Bible reading, prayer, fasting, meditation on the scriptures, even things like Resting. Those things are spiritual habits or practices or disciplines. In Matthew 11, Jesus also talks about this thing called a yoke. I don't know if you caught that. Now, just in case that language was confusing to you, uh, Jesus is not talking about an egg yoke. Uh, a yoke in that day was sort of shorthand for a rabbi's set of teachings. And more specifically, it was a rabbi's way of life. It encompassed a lot of things, but one thing was how that rabbi practiced the spiritual disciplines. And so Jesus's point is that if we want to join in on his rhythm of life, it's going to include how and how often we put those types of things into practice in our lives. So here's why I think God might be trying to teach us this specifically right now at this moment in history. Currently and for the immediate future, There are no Sunday gatherings for our church or really any church, or at least in their traditional format. 
Currently and for the immediate future, there is no easy way to share life with your life group on a regular basis. You might have a group text or a Zoom call once or twice a week, but you can't share life with them as regularly as you might have done otherwise. So in other words, all the programmed things that we as your church leaders have put into place to contribute to your spiritual growth, those things are either gone or currently are very incomplete because we can't be together in person. So as sad as that is, I think it also provides us with the perfect opportunity to answer the question, am I taking responsibility for my own discipleship to Jesus? Meaning, If I take away all the things that other people do to contribute to my spiritual growth, church gatherings, in-person life group meetings, if I take away those things, is there anything actually left in my relationship with Jesus? You cannot, I repeat, you cannot outsource your spiritual growth. You cannot outsource it to church leaders. You cannot outsource it to other followers of Jesus. Now listen, those people can help you in your discipleship to Jesus. They can help equip you and resource you and encourage you to pursue spiritual growth. But those people cannot do it for you. It won't work that way. So right now, with all of those things mostly gone, or at least severely limited, this is a great time for us to ask ourselves, Have I been doing that? Have I been outsourcing my spiritual growth? Have I been making it other people's responsibility for me to grow and to become more like Jesus? Or have I been taking responsibility for it myself? So for those of us who say things like, well, I just don't have time to read the Bible every day. That excuse just got taken away from most of us. You realize that, right? Like a lot of us now have all the time in the world. Those of you who are reading through the Bible with us in a year through our Bible reading plan, uh, most all of us, by the time this whole thing is said and done, should be caught up on that reading plan, right? There's no real excuse not to. So God might just use this crisis, among other things, to expose how many of our excuses to avoid spiritual disciplines were actually legitimate excuses, He might use it to expose whether it was ever actually a time problem or if it was always just a desire problem. Now, once again, for those of you whose life got absolutely crazy over the past few weeks, doing this is going to look a little bit different for you right now. And I want you to know that's fine. So maybe for you, if you work as a doctor or a nurse in some type of medical profession, uh, reflecting on scripture in this season of your life might just look like reading one verse in the morning that you know you're going to need throughout the day and just letting that verse marinate in your mind and heart throughout the day. So Revelation talks about how God is making all things new. And maybe for you, you read that one verse in the morning or that one passage, And then throughout the day, when you go in to see every single patient, as you're walking in, you're going, God, help help me remember that you're making all things new. Help me believe that you're making all things new. God, I know that you're making all things new. And just right now, it's really difficult to see that. Would you help me believe that at a practical level? Maybe for you, that's what scripture meditation looks like in this particular season while you're working however many hours a week. I want you to know that's still okay, and that still can be immensely helpful to you and your discipleship to Jesus. 
Uh, maybe for you when it comes to prayer. Maybe for you it's not, you don't have an hour in the morning to spend in prayer. Maybe for you it's literally just a dozen two-second prayers throughout the day. So maybe it's when you go in to see a patient, it's, Jesus, help me bring hope. Jesus, help me bring life. Jesus, help me. Maybe it's just tiny little prayers like that throughout the day. And maybe you get to find hope and find encouragement in the fact that Romans 8 tells us that even when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays for us in our weakness. So you can go in and in a moment where you don't have the ability or the time or even the the mental wherewithal to know what to pray, you can just pray, Spirit, help, and He does the rest. So maybe that's what it looks like for you. I want you to know there's freedom depending on what your season looks like right now to practice the spiritual disciplines. But for all of us, I think we need to ask the question, am I taking responsibility for my own discipleship to Jesus? So with this one as well, I want us to just spend a moment reflecting on one question. The question that I would love for us to ask ourselves with this is, what am I doing currently to contribute to my spiritual well-being? What am I doing currently to contribute to my spiritual well-being? So what things could you point to right now in your life that are contributing to you growing spiritually? Do you have a time set aside each day to be in the scriptures? Do you have regular times of the day that you spend in prayer? What things are you doing currently, regularly, to contribute to your relationship with Jesus. And listen, just to be clear, I'm not talking about things like, well, I was showing up to Sunday gatherings. (laughs) That's great. I'm glad you were doing that. But for most of us, even when we were attending Sunday gatherings, that's a little more passive than it is active, right? So what we're doing when we show up to the gatherings is, yeah, we're getting ourselves there. Like we're getting ourselves in the car and showing up. But then once we're there, we're expecting people to contribute to our spiritual growth. So that's not quite what we're talking about. Uh, For life group, it can be passive or active depending on your posture once you get there, right? So for some of us, we show up to life group with the posture of, okay, I'm here. I hope these other jokers make it worth my time, right? That's a passive approach to life group. But then for others of us, we show up and we're ready to contribute. We're ready to be involved. We're ready to help other people. We're ready to be poured into and pour into others. So it could be either. But I'm talking here about things that you actively do, that you take the initiative to do on a recurring basis to be formed more and more into the image of Jesus. So take just a second and answer that question. What am I doing currently to contribute to my spiritual well-being? Okay, so hopefully the questions that we've reflected on today give you something to go on in the coming week. Hopefully they give you some ways to consider how God might use this forced interruption season to teach us all to have healthier rhythms of life going forward. So I want to just close our time with this. Keep in mind that what Jesus is offering in a passage like Matthew 11 is not a freedom from effort or a freedom from discipline, even. In fact, quite the opposite. Jesus using the term yoke in this passage indicates that what we're talking about here is actually a new kind of effort, or a new kind of discipline. But what Jesus is offering in a passage like this one, and the reason it is such good news, is that he is offering a freedom from the incessant demands of overworking and workaholic culture. 
He's offering a freedom from the breakneck speed required to keep up with the world around us. He's offering a freedom from the narrative that you'll hear all day long from most everywhere in our society, the belief that you are what you accomplish. Jesus rejects that notion, and he gives us something altogether better. What he offers to us is the statement, we are what he has accomplished. You and I, every single one of us as followers of Jesus, everybody who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, we are now defined once and for all by Jesus' work on the cross. That is what makes us worthy. That is what makes us important. That is what gives us value and worth. And that is what makes us able to rest. We do not have to work to make those things true of us. Jesus has already made those things true of us. And if we're going to put this stuff into practice on a regular basis, we are going to have to believe that. Every time that we are trying to rest and we're tempted to pull out our phone and check that email inbox, we are going to need to remember that we are not what we accomplish. That our value actually comes from the cross. Every time we're tempted to stay another hour or two hours at the office to get ahead for the next day, we're going to need to remember that we are not what we accomplish that our worth has been given to us through the cross. And yet, even when we pursue these spiritual habits and disciplines, we are going to need to remember that we are not what we accomplish, that our value comes from the cross. That's where our value, that's where our worth, that's where our worthiness has been settled once and for all through the cross and through the resurrection. So here's to working from that basis, to taking up Jesus's yoke, which is easy and light, and to learning from him in a season of forced interruption. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us to believe what Jesus said in Matthew 11? Would you help us to believe that he has rest waiting for us if we are willing to learn from his rhythm of life? God, would you inspire in us maybe even a deep dive into the pages of the Gospels where we see how Jesus so persistently, as the most important person who ever walked the earth, how even he took moments to rest and get away and pause. And God, how he implemented into his life spiritual habits and practices to keep him in sync with you. So God, would you provide opportunities for us to do that, for us to live in that way? Would you give us um, the endurance to put those things into practice? Would you help us to see the value in them? And God, would you form us more and more into your image through those things? It's in your name we pray. Amen.